Welcome to North Bay Christ the King. You're listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock at our campus location in Birch Bay, Washington. Thank you for tuning in. Mike and Kim Anderson, they've become new friends. If, if you know that name, Mike and Kim were a part of our step family conference that we held, hosted here back in the spring. And I just thought it'd be really good to invite them back and just share their message, share a little bit of their story. So as they share, know, know this, we're going we're, we're to be talking about fighting for a family, fighting for your marriage, but this, this speaks to everybody today as they're going to share with us today. Welcome them as they come and join us. Well, good morning. I need to take you back about a decade ago. It was a, a night, it was sometime past midnight, and Kim and I had been locked in battle for hours. It was a small miracle that the kids were sleeping through it all, yelling, screaming, the whole thing. I remember a jumble of feelings. I felt hurt, I felt abandoned, I felt angry, I was mad, I felt all that at the same time, and I lost control. I snatched the glass off the coffee table, I threw it against the wall, amazingly it didn't shatter, instead the rim actually dug its way into the sheetrock, it left a little half moon shaped hole. I actually left that hole there for a few years because I kind of wanted to be reminded of this really hard night. It was so hard. We almost lost it all. And somewhere in the midst of everything, Kim ran up the stairs. She locked herself in the bathroom. She was afraid of me. Thinking, how did we get here? How did we get here? I couldn't believe it. Partially out of hopelessness, partially out of just sheer exhaustion, I was literally collapsed on the kitchen floor. Tears were flooding the floor. Fear was flooding my heart. What were we going to do? I did this. I was becoming the person I didn't want to become. And yeah, I grew up in an abusive home, and I was just repeating what I experienced as a kid, but that was exactly what I said would never, ever happen in our family. That was the moment. Not the end, but actually the beginning. It wasn't the death of a marriage. It wasn't the separation of a family, but the redemption of one. It was the moment that marked the turning point from us fighting against each other to figuring out how we were going to fight together against the odds as a team. It was a decision point. It was a crossroads. We could either walk away or we could choose to do something new. Maybe you've been there at some point in your journey at a crossroads. Maybe you're standing at a crossroads right now in a season that feels hopeless. Feels like the end. But we're hoping this morning that we might bring just a little bit of hope to that challenging season. It was almost a decade ago when we hit our crossroads. And we've been learning a lot since then about what it means to fight good fights, worthy fights. We're grateful to get to share a little bit 
of our story with you today. And if you walk away with only one thing from our time together today, I want it to be this. Remember that the focus of your mind and your heart will always determine the focus of your fight. So let me just pray as we jump into this. Father God, I thank you for being here with us this morning, for filling this room. And I pray, Lord, as we speak, that, um, that you would just show up, that you would open our hearts, our minds, to what it is you have for us, and we trust that we're going to walk out of here different than when we came. In Jesus' name, amen. So thanks for having us. We're really excited to be here and share with you today. Um, we're Mike and Kim Anderson, like Dan said, and we are step-family coaches. So that means that we have the privilege of coming alongside couples that are living in step-family dynamics and facing some really difficult challenges in their marriage and their family life. And we get to do that mostly because of some of the pain that we've experienced in our own blended family and only because God has redeemed our painful seasons, and now he calls us to walk alongside others and serve them. Now, really, we're just like any other couple who experience conflict and difficulties around things like money, sex, parenting, all of that. And we happen to also have the added complications of being um, a blended family. And in our journey of almost 19 years now of marriage, yeah, (laughs) can't believe it. (laughs) Oh, thank you. (laughs) We are both continuing to learn what Mike just shared, that the focus of our minds and our hearts actually determine the focus of our fight. That's right. Now, you might be here this morning as a single. Maybe you're navigating teen years, or maybe you're early in your adulthood and you're still single, or maybe you're even a single parent here with us this morning please don't check out on us yet. Uh, We believe that whatever we have to say today uh, really applies to everybody in the room, okay? So that focus of our mind and heart can be something that we focus on right now and keep us on track when you hit a crossroads someday, because I am pretty positive you will. All right. So I just described a pretty gut-wrenching night. I'm pretty sure you remember that night. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What would you say uh, that you really remember that we were fighting for that night? Well, I don't remember what brought the fight on or what the the issue was, honestly. Yeah, I don't think either of us do. But I do remember um, that we were against each other. It was me against you, you against me. I remember that. We were each fighting for our individual rights, what we wanted, what we deserved, We were each really focused on me, what I want. And that focus on me was the primary thing that needed to change for us. Instead, we needed to shift our focus and fight for we. And that was a big epiphany for us. It was challenging. You know, I can tell you that that shift of focus from fighting for me to fighting for we was a lot of work. Uh, and it took uh, a lot of time. And so we don't have uh, time, although this is the last service, so we could share the whole story yeah. if you want to <laughs> uh, We don't have enough time to share the whole story this morning. Um, but we wanted to narrow in on really what were the three most important things to us as we went through this transition of, of me focus to, to we focus, mm-hmm. kind of getting our way. 
So changing that focus of our mind and our heart definitely determined the change in the focus of our fight from me to we. And the first thing that had to take place is what the Bible calls taking heart. In John 16, 33, Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. A lot of us want to ignore that part of the scripture, right? But it's true. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, he says, I have overcome the world. The Greek for that little take heart means to have courage. In fact, the root of the word means to exercise bold and confident courage. But here's the thing about courage. Usually when we need it the most or when we're trying to get get the courage the most, that's when we don't feel very courageous. In fact, usually in that moment, that's when we feel really small, really inadequate, maybe embarrassed about what's happening or overwhelmed about everything that's going on around us. And we've discovered this and we've seen it in different couples that we've gotten to serve over the years. In fact, there was a couple uh, about two years ago that came to our step family class at Bellingham Technical College. They walked in and they sat down and what we found out later was that they were right on the verge of separation. In fact, when they walked into that room, they had drove separately and they hadn't talked to each other in over 24 hours. But they came. Uh, what an amazing amount of courage it came in the midst of that kind of battle to say, I'm going to humble myself enough and I'm going to have the courage to walk through the doors and we're going to sit down next to each other and we're going to start to have the courage to to learn how we're going to shift our focus from what I want to what we need. A A focus from me to we. They were overwhelmed. They were unsure. They didn't feel courageous in the moment. But the more we've gotten to know them, man, we really admire the courage it took just to show up on that first night. Yeah. You know, it takes courage to do something different, to step out of those old cycles, those comfort zones, and to do something new. That takes a lot of courage. And it takes courage to push past the fears and the unknowns, because there are no guarantees, but it takes courage to take, take those steps forward. We love this quote by James Neal Hollingworth, and he says this, Courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the judgment that something else is more important than fear. There's something better on the other side. This taking heart, having courage, it's a choice. And the primary choice, really, when you get down to it, is choosing the source of our courage, right? Because we don't feel all that courageous when when we're in the midst of challenge. Now, in John 16, Jesus says to take heart because he has overcome the world. Take heart, he says, because if we don't take it, we're going to lose it. That's what's going to happen. We're either overcomers with Christ or we become overcome in our despair. Yeah, uh, that's where I was. That night that I found myself on the kitchen floor, I was overcome with despair. But the next day, and the days and the weeks that followed, Jesus kept showing up. He started showing me what it meant to take heart. It wasn't about pulling myself up by the bootstraps and just having more courage and slogging along. It was about figuring out where the source of the courage to keep going came from. And we see it all over the Bible. Just one more place in Psalm 31, 24. It says, be strong, take heart, 
all those who hope in the Lord, right? So what does this taking heart really look like, even when you're not feeling very courageous? It's determining to focus your mind and your heart on Jesus as the source of the courage. That's going to change the focus from me to we. Like every time Jesus shows up, he's all about relationship and reconciliation and all about the we. Rarely, I don't know if I could find a place where Jesus says, oh, it's all about the me, right? That gives us courage because he's our source to shift to the we. Even when we're losing hope in our marriage or our ability to hold things together, we can still hope in the Lord and trust that he's going to walk us through whatever this challenge and this crossroads might be. And courage isn't just for the married couples in the room. It's for everyone. Let me tell you, it takes so much courage to focus your mind and heart according to God's will or as God's truth rather than our culture's lies intentionally choosing to start your fight for we right now, even as a single, even before you become a we, you can begin to fight this battle. Mm -hmm. Being intentional about your spiritual health, about your emotional health, about your purity, regardless of what the culture is telling us, is an incredible, courageous investment into the future of you and that future person that God has for you. And that's an incredible gift someday that you're going to be able to give to that person. That's awesome. So take heart, have courage, because Jesus has overcome the world. That's right. And the second thing we've learned along the way is that we need to have connection even in the midst of the conflict, right? There's going to be conflict. We're going to have trouble. And when we're in conflict, when we're feeling angry or frustrated, hurt, disappointed, whatever it is, it's kind of our natural tendency to want to turn away and distance ourselves from each other, right? It's, it's hard. But when we're focused on fighting for we, if that's where we want to focus, it's absolutely crucial that we choose to seek connection instead of distancing ourselves. And that's, that's tough. Now, we usually think about connection with lots of warm and fuzzy feelings, right? Um, it's all about heart. That's, that's usually when we use the Romance, word. right? And mm-hmm. we do believe romance. in the Gospel of John and Paul and George and Ringo, right? <laughs> all right? All you need is love. <laughs> all you need... Come on, you could do better than that. All you need is love. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> well, you're a little better than the ninth. I guess. <laughs> See, when we're experiencing conflict in relationship, the Beatles' rendition of love is not very helpful. They've kind of got it wrong here because, yes, love is important. Of course it's important, but it isn't all you need to get through. Uh, If we really want to be successful and fight this battle for we, we've got to learn how to connect in the midst of conflict. And that's not so much about the heart, it's more about redirecting our minds because our hearts tend to shut down and want to turn away. Listen to this from Romans 8.5. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. So that's setting our minds on fighting for me, my rights in the relationship, my desires, my comfort, my satisfaction. That's what the flesh desires. But Paul goes on to say, those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set 
on what the spirit desires. It's a completely different mind shift there. That's setting our minds on fighting for we. But what exactly does the spirit desire, right? We need to explore that, and thankfully, God gives us that answer, right? Isn't the Bible awesome? (laughs) Paul says in Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, right? It's not just love. There's a lot more to it. Now, all of these words sound like connection words to me. And that last one, it's the real ringer, right? Self-control. Oh, (laughs) self-control in the middle of conflict. That's challenging. You know, as we were navigating the rough waters in our own marriage, I made a discovery one night. We were in another one of our many fights. Yeah, we have lots of fights. It's funny that Dan chose us to to talk about this. (laughs) Or we have had lots of fights. Yes. Um, I remember... In the middle of it, just going, wait a second, we, you know, we can't lose it like we've done before. I remember just stopping and looking Kim in the eye and saying, you know what, this is hard and I'm really angry, but we're going to be okay. We're going to stick with it. We're going to keep going. And then a couple fights later, I remembered, I was like, hey, wait, that kind of worked. Because in that moment, we both just went, oh, Okay didn't change anything about our circumstances. We were still kind of mad. We were still in the midst of the fight. But it began to change the focus of our mind and our heart, and we were able to focus on we. So that's, yeah, that started to become a pattern each time we got into a conflict. One of us would call a timeout and just figure out how we're going to connect right in the middle of that conflict and say, you know what, this is hard, but we're going to be okay, and we're going to keep at it. That was such a a great discovery of what it means to connect in the middle of the conflict. There's always a choice in how we respond in the middle of our struggles. And we've got to choose to focus uh, our fight on we in the middle of that. Specifically, in the middle of our fight, we've got to figure out what weapons we're going to use. By the way, all of us have this choice as couples and as singles. Sometimes it's not just our spouse we're mad at. Sometimes we're mad at our coworkers or our friends or maybe some other family member. How are we going to remember to connect even in the middle of those conflicts? And what weapons will we choose? Will we choose the weapons of the flesh or will we choose the weapons of the spirit? Listen to these words by Pastor Kerry Schmidt. Weapons of the flesh will react. Weapons of the spirit will respond. Weapons of the flesh will lash out. Weapons of the spirit will reach out. Weapons of the flesh desire retribution. Weapons of the spirit desire reconciliation. Weapons of the flesh will seek control. Weapons of the the spirit will seek influence. Weapons of the flesh make demands. Weapons of the spirit will make pleas. Weapons of the flesh will accuse. Weapons of the spirit will accept. Weapons of the flesh return hurt, but weapons of the spirit return grace. And weapons of the flesh will argue. Weapons of the spirit will reason. How powerful is that? If we could get in the middle of conflict and remember that, what weapons are we choosing to pick up right in the middle of this fight? Pick up those weapons of the spirit. We're going to be making connection even in the middle of conflict, even when it's hard. So, 
We've got courage, taking heart because Jesus is the source of our courage. We've got weapons of the Spirit that are going to help us make connection even in the midst of conflict. What's the third thing that we've discovered along the way? Well, the third thing is we've got to choose community. You were never meant to fight the good fight alone. That's the truth. And you know, Mike shared this story of this horrible night. We had this huge fight and he lost control and I was in the upstairs bathroom. I was really, really afraid. And honestly, um, at that point, I didn't think that anything would ever change for us. I thought we were stuck. I was in despair and I was ready to give up on our marriage. This crossroads that Mike talks about, what that was about was in that moment as he was on the kitchen floor, he decided that it was time for us to get some help, to work through these issues, to get some counseling, to do whatever we needed to do. But honestly, I wasn't willing to get help at that point. I was uh, pretty low on emotional energy and I I didn't think it was going to help. I was I had a pretty bad attitude about that, and so I refused to go. Um, thankfully, my refusal didn't stop Mike from reaching out and getting help to work on himself. So while he engaged in counseling and he met with mentors, I chose to isolate myself, and I kind of sunk into this uh, pit of self-pity and despair, and I was miserable for months. This went on. I avoided all the problems, my own personal issues and the, and the issues in our marriage. I felt hopeless. It, it was not a good place. But after a while, I started to notice some changes in Mike. Uh, he seemed lighter. He didn't get angry when issues came up. He started to, to respond differently to our issues. Um, it seemed like he was softening. I also noticed he was moving closer to God. He was relying on God's strength more and more, and and God seemed to be changing his heart. And I wanted more of what what Mike was experiencing. I I didn't want to stay in my pit. So that's when I started, the wall started to come down, and, and God really started convicting my heart that he had something more for me. And this tendency I have to try to just make it work in isolation, um, God started changing that, that thought process. And I was able to finally get out of that pit and reach out for some community as well and some help. So I started sharing the truth about our struggles with close friends. Um, and I started going to counseling to work on my own uh, set of issues And God used every single one of those people in different ways to guide me and to encourage me. They prayed for me. They held me accountable. And they gave me a godly perspective on things. It was was truly amazing. And honestly, without this community of people that surrounded both of us and these, these loving, trustworthy people in our lives, I don't think we would have made it through that difficult season with our marriage intact. I honestly don't think we would have. So this idea of leaning into community isn't just about fighting for your marriage. This is something we all need regardless of the challenges that we're facing, right? There's going to be trouble. We're all going to experience trouble. And we were created to live in community, like I said. 
But it seems like when we're hurting, when we're down, when we're sliding into that pit of despair and we're at our worst, maybe we're embarrassed, um, that's when many of us feel like we want to avoid community because it's, it's tough to go there and be honest and vulnerable with other people. So then we tend to isolate. But the truth is that's when we need to surround ourselves with community the most. That's when we need to be lifted up. So being Christ-like and modeling, um, or modeling what Jesus has or what he modeled for us following his example is really a beautiful model of community, the Trinity, right? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's a community. And when Jesus came to earth, he surrounded himself with community, with his disciples. He didn't try to do it alone. But sometimes we think we can do it alone. It's funny how we think we can do something that that Jesus didn't do when he came here. Um, we think that, you know, we can handle it. We can We can take it on. And what that is, is it's an isolation mindset of the flesh. That's really what it is. Believing that we don't need community. That reaching out somehow makes us weak or incompetent. And this mindset of isolation is one of the biggest lies that the enemy wants you to believe. Just like that lost sheep that's been lured away from the shepherd, lured away from its herd, it's vulnerable to attack. And there's a very real enemy out there that wants to isolate you from you, your community, that wants to steal, kill, and destroy everything that God has for you, including your marriage and your family. So trust that God will use others in your life and in your marriage. He'll use friends, he'll use counselors, pastors, mentors, and allow God to work through them. Yeah, choosing community. Ecclesiastes has something to say about this. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other one up. That's community. But pity anyone who falls down and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they'll keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one might be overpowered, two can defend themselves, and a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. What a beautiful message about community. The importance of community works in more than one way. Sometimes we're at a crossroads. We're in a challenge. We need to be surrounded by trustworthy community who's going to encourage us and equip us and move us forward. Sometimes that's true. Other times... There's someone in our sphere of influence, and they're at the crossroads. They're facing a challenge, and that means we are the community for them. Galatians 6.2 says, We should carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. We, we are the community for those who are going through their challenges. You know, it's been almost a decade, like I said, since... We had that fateful night, Kim locked in the upstairs bathroom, I'm on the kitchen floor. But like I said before, it wasn't the end for us, it was just the beginning. It was the beginning of how we were going to start to shift from fighting for me to fighting for we and discovering that the focus of our mind in these three areas and in our heart was what really determined the focus of our fight. We're on the other side of that now. We've been enjoying many years in the safety of a safe and thriving marriage. It's not perfect, but it's really, really good. And we're enjoying that. And we want you to know if you're facing a challenge right now, if you're at that crossroads right now, 
we want you to have hope that you can experience getting to the other side of that as well. I want to share a verse with you that God has really used in my life that I've meditated on over and over when I needed strength to fight the good fight and I was feeling weary. It's from 2 Corinthians 4, 8, and 9. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. I mean, isn't that a beautiful picture of, yeah, we're going to have trouble, but take heart, have courage. God is with you. That's right. You're not alone. Take heart because Jesus has overcome the world. So one way this morning that you can take a simple step toward really centering your, um, on the source of your courage in Jesus and choosing to uh, make connection even in the middle of conflict and surrounding yourself with a community that really needs to support you is answering four simple questions. They're in your bulletin there. And as we walk through these questions, uh, the worship team's going to join us uh, to lead us in worship as we close out. But check out these questions. Where do I need to take heart? Where do I need to have courage and face a problem or a challenge that really I've been avoiding lately? And what next step can I take that will allow God to renew my mind and my heart through the fruit of the Spirit? right, so that I can create connection with my spouse or other relationships when things aren't going very well, when there's conflict. Who do I need to spend time with that's going to encourage me or us as a couple just to keep fighting the good fight? And finally, who can I encourage and support? Who needs me right now? Mm -hmm. Let us close with this verse. Ephesians says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires that fight for me, and to be made new in the attitude of my minds, to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. See, fighting the good fight for our marriage and our family is about taking off that old self that wants to fight for me so bad, but putting on the new self and learning how to fight for we, the new self that's centered on Christ and the fruit of the Spirit, choosing those weapons of the Spirit and leading our mind and heart that direction so that our focus of our fight is going to completely change to a good fight, a worthy fight, that fight for we. Can I just pray for us? Jesus, thank you so much for being here. I thank you for uh, the people who are in this room right now who are in a great season, who are feeling strong and courageous. And God, I pray that you would help them to have their radar up, that you would speak to them when someone around them is being challenged and they need to show up and be community for that person. Would you give them what they need to just walk in and say, hey, you're looking down, can I help you? And Lord, I know that there's someone here that is at a crossroads. I know that there's challenges that they're facing. And Father, I pray that you would infuse your way into them and that that you would be the source of their courage. I pray that you would give them what they need to figure out how to create connection, even when it's hard. And Father, I pray that you would use the people right here at North Bay CTK to just surround them in their community. 
pray that they would encourage and that they would equip, that they would just love and that that would bring them to a next step. And God, we trust you with all this. We trust you with these people. And we thank you so much for your love and your grace that's new every single morning. In Jesus' name, amen.